Good morning. I always end up dehydrated when I stand here, and so I'll try not to make too many noises. Um, welcome to everyone. Thank you for coming this morning. I know it's a long weekend, and um, this would be a weekend where many people would rest and stay home or go away with the family. Um, so I was going to make a joke and say it's the B team that's on duty today. <laughs> so if you're disappointed, come back next week. <laughs> um, but um, except for Brett, <laughs> he's yet to supervise. But I am ex- expectant and excited this morning for our time together. And... Um, This has probably been one of the most difficult sermon preps I've had to do in a very long time. And um, I I can think up things to say and put scriptures together and do this and that. But my desire is to never speak just from my mind. Because if I speak from my mind, it doesn't really benefit you. You'll maybe get my wisdom and my experience and my stories. But that won't really impact doesn't have the power to change you. My, power, my mind doesn't have the power to change you. But if I speak even one word that's really from God, it has the power to transform, to enlighten, and um, to set free. Uh, so, you know, I have to look if I have any snot on me, because I've got a little boy that's um, running around here and wrestling me and jumping on me and well, I'm at home praying, oh, Jesus, give me the word for tomorrow. Then it's dinosaur train, dinosaur train going on the TV and kids screaming. And, okay, scrap that, get up early. And then, like, before six, tea, tea, daddy, and then porridge and chaos, you know. I think what I'm trying to just illustrate is, like, Normal life, right? We all have that normal life that we live. And even as uh, coming here as a leader this morning, I don't live in a monastery. I'm not separated from the real world. I have all the struggles and challenges and demands that all of us have. And yet this morning I want to come here and I want to share just a little bit of what's in my heart. Amen. Who of you can uh, mention some of the heroes of the faith in the Bible? Abraham. Okay. Moses. Who else? Come on, come on. Noah. Okay. If you have to take a visitor today and direct them to the Bible to a place where they could go see all of those people grouped together, where would it be? Ah, cheers. We are professional in this church. (laughs) Because Hebrews chapter 11, it gives us a, a list of people and their lives. And there's one thing that they have in common. They have been commended for their faith, right? And I mean, what is faith? Now, we can say it's the substance of things that are unseen, things that we hope for. But what is it? Where is it? Brett spoke about me this morning, uh, just before I took the platform. 
spoke about my life and my faith and things like that. But what is it? Where is it? And how does he know that I'm really that which he said? How do you know when I stand here that I actually have this substance in me? And what I, I'll get into it a little bit later, but if I open my life to anyone here today or to any random person and I give them full access to everything, my marriage, my parenting, my work environment, my thought life, my finances, my family, or whatever it may be, they should either come to the conclusion that, yes, I'm that which Brett said, the real thing, or I'm not. And the point is evidence. Do I show evidence in my life of these things? And Hebrews 11 is a wonderful chapter because we see people and then their works or their exploits or their adventures in God and they are commended for their faith. It says that Enoch didn't see death because he was taken up by faith. Noah built the ark. I think it took him like a hundred years or something. In reverent fear, he built this ark. And Abraham left his house, left his family, left his people and went somewhere without even knowing where it is, where he is going. I mean, how crazy is that? Sarah received the power to conceive a child when she was old and past the age of childbearing. And then after receiving that child, Abraham takes that child and offers him up to death, putting him on the altar. You know, old man taking his son, tying him up and putting him on the altar, lifting a knife to kill him. Must have been super awkward on the way back from that one. (laughs) (laughs) And by faith, Moses led his people out of Egypt despite the king's rage and threats. And then the first scripture, I'm just paraphrasing a little bit, but Hebrews 11 verse 32 to 40 says, How much more do I need to say it would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets? By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put all armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from dead, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prison. Some died in stoning. Some were sawed in half. And others were killed with the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. They were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. 
yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us, so that they would not reach perfection without us. Isn't that powerful? You hear those names and you remember those stories and all they achieved and all they did. My question this morning is, how did they get that type of faith? How do you get from Abraham to the faith that puts your, your son on an altar and raises a knife? How do you get that faith to go into the furnace or the lion's den or into slavery, into stoning, into persecution? I really want to know, does anybody have an answer? <laughs> Relationship with God. Good answer. Anyone else? I want to mention Brett's scripture that he shared this morning. It says that in the Lord's day, John was in the island of Patmos. He was in the spirit. And suddenly he heard a voice. God spoke to him. And then we get the whole book of Revelation. And my belief and my experience and what I see in Scripture from Genesis right until Revelation where John shares his vision is that God is a God of encounters. And I believe that's where this faith these people had came from. Enoch was taken up. He didn't see death. After he walked with God, which means he had a relationship with the Lord for a period of 300 years. And then suddenly his family wondered what happened to him. Noah didn't just think it's a good idea to build a boat. God said to him, Noah, there's judgment coming on this earth. Destruction is coming. Build the boat. There he was in fear and trembling, building that boat while everybody was laughing and sneering at him. And I mean, why did Abraham leave his house? He heard the voice. Leave this place, walk before me, and be blameless. Imagine, well, not tomorrow, but on Tuesday, you're sitting at work, <clears throat> whatever you do for a living, and you hear a voice. Leave this place, follow me. <laughs> okay, but where am I going? Just go, I'll show you. don't know what it looked like. I don't know if you actually saw Jesus pre-incarnation. He just said he heard the voice. Sarah received power to conceive that child in her old age when she was almost as good as dead because God promised her. It was an encounter. He said to her, you will receive a son. Because of that, a measure of faith was imparted into her. And Abraham offered up his own son after God asked him to do it. And yet he believed God that God could even raise him back from the dead. 
Moses led people out. And tell me, or let me tell you, if I see a burning bush and a voice speaking to me out of that bush, I'll do almost anything it says. Or I'll do my best to do and be obedient. And I can go down the list of all of these people and I can almost every single one of you take you to a verse that shows that God revealed himself to them in a certain way. There was an experience or an encounter with God, and that changed their whole life. They didn't just think, okay, it's a great idea to do this or to do that. They didn't, in the power of their mind, say, well, now I'm going to believe harder. I'm just going to believe harder, and then miracles are going to happen. There's an encounter first, and that encounter changes that life. That encounter awakens a person to God's presence, to his reality, and to his power. And as you sit in your chairs this morning, you have to make a decision right now. You have to ask yourself, am I the same as Abraham, or was he somehow different than me? Either same as Sarah, or was she somehow a special type of human being that was somehow different? Or were they just normal people? Normal people just like us. You know, at the, at the end of that verse I read, it says that they did not even receive everything that God promised them so that they would not receive perfection without us. It's showing us that we are exactly the same as them. They were normal people, normal human beings. When we read the Bible, somebody just hold the Bible up. We have to see that these are... <laughs> Jeez, I left mine at home and I needed it for an illustration. Normal people like us. Okay? We have to believe that. Normal people just like us. The same God. God who encounters people. From Abraham and Moses, even from Adam to now, God encounters people. I really needed my Bible because in it, if you, if you take my Bible, in it you'll find one thing. There's a visitor slip in there from 12 September 2010. It's the only thing that I keep in my Bible. Because I ended up in a service like this one day when I was broken and hurting and lonely and lost and deceived and bound in every type of chain that you can imagine a person can be bound in. I didn't even want to go to church. I wasn't looking in. I wasn't... <sighs> Looking for a church, I wasn't wanting to give Christianity a try. Didn't make a decision to follow Jesus or anything like that. But I ended up in a service and somehow at the end of whatever was preached, I can't even remember, my hand was up. People were come, coming to me saying things about my life that I, there was no way that they could have known. And like in that moment of 
just all of this, somebody said to me, you have to pray like this. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Okay. Close my eyes and say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. And it feels like a sun rose inside of me. Like in one second, I felt this warm, peaceful presence come into me. And I felt myself coming out of death into life. From darkness to light. Out of deception into the truth. I didn't do anything. Something happened to me. I had an encounter that changed my life. I can promise you this. You can audit me. You can ask people that are close to me that really know me. If you weigh up the evidence, you can't prove I had that encounter. You can't prove, I can't give you your Jesus touched my life. But if you weigh up the evidence, you'll see that I'm speaking the truth and I'm not a liar. It's been almost 13 years since that moment of my encounter. It changed my life. It transformed me in every way. It set me free. It broke every chain. It's almost 13 years. I've never gone into the bondage that I used to be in. I've never gone back into drinking or porn or smoking or drugs or immorality or impurity or perversion or any of those things. And let me tell you that life has thrown at me a whole bouquet of hardship and disappointment and hurt and pain and suffering and almost like everything that you can experience to try and snuff out that little divine spark that was imparted into my life. Don't you experience that? They say, come to Jesus and your life will be better. No, it will be much harder because this life that he calls us to live, I mean, why do you have to forgive people and love them? <laughs> they are going to hurt you. We are going to hurt each other. We are going to do all of these things. You can't even be offended. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. Of course we wouldn't want to be offended and even have vengeance, but... <laughs> because that's normal life and what we live in is something supernatural it's greater than that it's higher than that we are called to be lower to be meeker to have more mercy to have more generosity to have more peace and love and all of these things and let me tell you, if you haven't had an encounter with God, it's too difficult. You won't have the substance to carry you through everything that you will endure. But I want to submit something else to you this morning. That we live from encounter to encounter to encounter to encounter to encounter. We see and behold and experience and 
turn and respond and follow. As we do this, we grow and we mature and we learn and we go forward progressively from one degree of glory to the next. Or not. <laughs> 2 Corinthians verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 16 to 18. This is what happens to us spiritually. When we turn to the Lord, the veil is removed. Initial encounter. I turned to Jesus, 12 September 2010. Veil is removed. I'm brought into the kingdom, into life, into light. Scales fall off my eyes. I'm awakened to spiritual life. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. The word is metamorpho. It means changed by being with in the Greek. I am changed by being with God here in this meeting this morning. Into the same image. From one degree of glory to another. And this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. This isn't a self-improvement program. This isn't a training college. <laughs> Something happens to us here if we experience the real thing. If we do not experience the real thing, we are here for every other reason. We like fellowship. We want somewhere to go. We like structure or patterns of behavior. Um, we're trying new things. We want to change our life. And those things may even be noble, but they do not have the power to change our lives in the way that God is speaking about here. And so what does that mean for us here this morning? Like right here, right now, we can see God's glory in this place if our veil is removed. And how do we see God's glory? Bobby wants to answer. Okay, Bobby, you go. <laughs> okay, good. What else? Anyone? We hear what he's saying. We can see what God is doing. We experience how the Holy Spirit is moving through this place. And God is invisible. You can't see him. You can't touch him. You know, but we see evidence. The Bible says the wind blows. And we see evidence of what he's doing. If we really encounter true spirit-led leadership, our leaders will, who have encountered the Lord and are really following him, really have a relationship with him, who are really filled with his spirit, are going to lead us forward into what God is saying for us and what God is doing. Amen. And I think we often lose the wonder of this, of how beautiful and precious and holy this is actually what we are part of and what we get to experience. The Bible says that prophets and kings long to see what we see, to experience what we experience, where anybody can come.
It's not a single prophet, not a special priest. Like freely we can come. Everyone can come. Because God is doing something in the world. And we are part of what God is doing. If we are truly part of this. 1 Peter 2 verse 4. It says this. We are coming to Christ. Who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people. But he was chosen by God for great honor. And you sitting here today, are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scripture says, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. You'll never be disgraced. Yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. But you are not like that. For you are a chosen people. You are royal priests. Holy nation. God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. So if my testimony is true and my encounter was real, I'm part of this and I've experienced this. And because God has really taken me out of darkness into light, my life should show people the goodness of God. Man, that is so powerful because so much what's going on in the world, in the name of Jesus, in the name of church, in the name of Christianity, is nothing like Jesus at all. Because it's everything else. It's religion, it's organization, it's... You even get cults. <laughs> Because the enemy wants to counterfeit the real thing, you know. I can say that I'm a royal priest this morning. I'm part of a holy nation. I wanted to make a joke and say my pronouns are pastor, bishop, and elder. <laughs> She's true. Edit out. But in Jesus, I can have my son on me here in the front in worship. Yet it's the same God where if the high priest went into the holy place, defiled, he would fall dead and I would pull him out by the rope attached to his ankle. Because we live in something greater than that. And I think I want to encourage us in this. God is a God of encounter. It is more than just reading a book. 
It is more than just going to meetings. We have to believe that God's presence can come into any situation at any time. At any time. You know, and we don't want to puff up and just exaggerate and live in fairy tales. But I want to tell you that this is all real and it's true. And we, we, how do you, we reconcile in real, the real world where we suffer loss and, and people die. We lose people and we get hurt. Bad things happen to good people. And there's a mystery that sometimes we even see miracles with our own eyes. Who's, who has seen a miracle? Okay, with your own eyes. If you've seen one with your own eyes. Put up high, I want to see. Okay, it's like almost a third. Who here have heard a testimony of a miracle from a miraculous or from a trustworthy source? If somebody you know and trust said, I've seen this. Okay, like two thirds. It's, it's true. We don't know how it works. Like we're not religious experts and like I'm in a sense like my little boy. Like just running around and trying to find my father and trying to figure out how the world works. But I want to say that if we have seen and we've experienced, we've heard testimonies, we are encountering the reality of something. We are encountering his presence. That should change us. It should change us. When I got saved, or born again, first encounter with the Lord, almost 13 years, it radically shifted everything in my life. How I live, what I do, what I live for, my motivations. But yet I can look back and there are times where it's almost like special times where God's presence seems to be near. Or seasons where we just see a lot of healings or a lot of miracles or a lot of uh, people being set free. It's not because we are anything or because he's a God of encounter. It's evidence of the encounter when the power is there, when the healing comes, when the deliverance comes or <clears throat> when salvation comes, when, when a hardened person who has lived a certain way for 30 years is cut to his heart, in tears realizes I'm a wicked person, turns away from that wickedness, lives in a different way. It's a miracle. And that's what I'm hungry for. That's what I want to make you hungry for. God is a God of encounter. I've seen enough miracles to know that God's miraculous power is available today, just like in the book of Acts. But I've seen enough failure in prayer to know that I can't somehow make that happen. I don't have the switch or the, you know... The button, come pressing the button now, come Lord. You know, that's not the real world. 
But yet, we see the evidence. And I'm hungry. The, every evidence that I see, it makes me hungry for more. More of Him. More of His presence. Like, God, where are you? Where, where are you moving? What are you doing, Lord? I want to encounter you. I want to experience you. I, I want to be changed. I want to be transformed. I want to grow. I don't just want to get up here because I have, I'm on the B team and the rest are away. And I, I want to burn. I want to bring something that is real. Because if I can't bring something that is real, then there's no hope for us. And our encounters change the way we live. I think a person in the New Testament that's probably had the greatest encounter was Paul, Saul of Tarsus, walking down the road. I'm going to go kill those Christians. And then Jesus appears to him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Like, who are you, Lord? <laughs> but if you follow his life, go look at his life. He didn't walk around, oh, I'm the super apostle, Jesus appeared to me, you all listen to what I say. Show deep love and deep humility in submitting himself to other people. Read his letters, I send God, I'm praying for you in tears. It's evidence of a, 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 almost like a killer transformed into a lover. Yo. And I want to just, just bring us into what the Lord has been saying to us. I, I, want to, I want to share this because God has been speaking to us. And if, if we hear what He's saying, if we see what He's emphasizing, if we follow the leading, we align ourselves to what He's doing. And that brings us into a greater sense of encounter. One of the things God said to us this year is we should be having more fun together. You know, not be more serious, not have more meetings, not be more intense, have more fun. If we hear that and we realize it's not Rian's good idea. That word has come from Rian, from Andrew, from many other leaders. It's the Spirit of God speaking to the church and say, have more fun. It's for freedom that Christ has set us free, that we may live. And people come near to us, they experience life and joy and peace and laughter. Not just and like... It's taken 30 years for God to crush the intensity out of me, but he's still busy. I'm, getting, I'm drowning in my notes here. I think I lost it. It's a season of altars and tables, times of worship and prayer and tables, fellowship, eating together, meeting together. Say so, amen if you've heard these words before. <laughs> Our togetherness and fellowship and relationships have been emphasized and highlighted. 
Andrew shared a word at the beginning of the year. He's feeling that the river is rising. It's a season of God's supernatural grace and power coming forth. That we would see evidence, increase of manifestations of the Holy Spirit and God's divine power. I'm very hungry for those things. She didn't just, well, there's a difference. Am I just a Christian that just says I'm something? Or if people look at me, do they see somebody that's following Jesus? Do they see evidence of a life transformed by the glory of God? A life that's come from darkness into light. A light, a life that shows God's goodness to the world. We need to find time in God's presence. It's lingering just... Like, it doesn't make sense in the natural. Like, hey, what are these guys doing? Okay, all right, they're standing up. Okay, go to the front, sing to the screen. Okay, now their hands are in the air. Okay, okay now they all want to be quiet and kneel. Okay, awkward. But can't you get that sense that there's a presence in this place? My daughter Ava is four and a half years old now. And she was born and in the, I think she was three weeks old. We had to plant in Kailicha in the township. So her experience of life was like township meetings and we'd lie her on the floor in African style worship, which is super loud. And she'd just sleep there and... Um, you know, she'd seen it all that you can kind of see growing up as a, as a little baby. And like last year, somehow we just realized that she's worshiping in the bath. She's definitely born again. She's saved. I even think she spoke in tongues the one day when I went into her room. But yet she's a small child. Like, I didn't lead it to the Lord. Joanne didn't, they didn't do it at Kids Church. Didn't, we don't know where it happened, how it happened. But yet, somehow God has encountered her life in this place, in this togetherness, in this fellowship, in this congregation that has definitely brought her into the kingdom. And this is what we live for, man. This is what we long for. Are we hearing the Lord? Are we seeing what He's doing? Or do we just hear, you know, leaders and people telling us, do this or do that, or change this, change that? Are we hearing the Lord? Are we living from old experiences, sense of duty, a pattern of behavior, religion? A form of godliness without any power. Or do we even believe that we can have life-changing encounters like that ourselves? When somebody gave me a prophetic word, said you're going to have encounters with God. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it. And I, I don't boast about experiences and things like that, but I can tell you 
There have been moments where God's presence was revealed to me, caused me to fear Him, to respect Him, to be devoted to Him, to follow Him. No, no matter what happens, like I know that presence is real. Doesn't matter what the demand is, you follow. Because there's substance. And the experiences that I've had and the encounters that I've had have made me hungry for encounters. It's 13 years and like every morning when I wake up, Lord, I want to experience your presence. Where are you, God? Where are you? Where is your presence? I can't stop praying. I can't stop worshiping. It's not because I... I don't read the book because I want to prepare. I read the book because I want to find his presence. I want to learn what is he like, what does he want, what does he do, what is his nature, what does he require. In this, we come together because the Bible says that we see dimly like somebody looking in the mirror. I have maybe had encounters and experiences, but I only see a small part, but together with breath. I'm seeing a little bit more. And as we all gather together, our togetherness, we experience a greater measure than we can ever experience alone. And that's why the time of the solitary prophet sitting in the wilderness has come to an end. God is working like this. Fellowship, quinonia, togetherness. But it all starts with an encounter. Amen? Maybe we can have the worship team up here. Or somebody to play some music. Because you have to first come into the kingdom to experience the things that I've been talking about. If you're not in the kingdom, if you have not had an initial encounter with the Lord, if Jesus hasn't... If he's not your Lord, and if you have not experienced his Holy Spirit coming into you, then none of this, what I said, the supernatural part, is real yet. But I want to say this morning, just as I have experienced and tasted and seen, and many I can... If I open the microphone, people will come to the front and they will share testimonies of getting saved and being changed and being healed and being delivered and seeing signs and all of these things. Because what I'm saying is the truth. Maybe we can all stand. Because this morning there's an invitation coming from God. I believe God is calling us into a place of deeper relationship with Him deeper fellowship with each other and also times of encounter together. We will encounter the presence of His Holy Spirit to come in our midst and work with mighty power. I'm going to ask for two responses. Um, perhaps you are here this morning, you have never um, experienced what I'm talking about. You've maybe gone to church, you've tried to change your own life, you have tried to read the Bible, you've tried to pray, you've tried to do all the works and all of these things, but yet you feel like there's no life in you. 
there's an invitation for you into an encounter with God. Something real. And then for the rest of us, for those who are hungry for deeper and more, to have encounters with God's presence in greater ways, to be transformed and changed and then to follow and go. Some need to come in. Some need to come back. Some just want to come a bit closer. Is anyone here thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why do you spend your time and your money and your effort on things that do not give you strength? Why do you pay for things that do you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. The Lord says, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. And I will make an everlasting promise with you. I will give you all the unfailing love I promised to David. The word is covenant, not promise. Promise that cannot be broken. An everlasting covenant with you. I will give you the unfailing love that I promised. And here is the invitation to us. Seek the Lord while you can find Him. Call on Him now, now while He is near. Let the wicked change their way and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that He may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for He will forgive generously. And He says that my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts. My ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. The rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word, says the Lord. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. So if you are in this meeting this morning and you do not know Jesus, but something that I'm saying is resonating with you, and you want to make a decision, you want to respond, if you feel something in you is compelling you to respond to what I'm saying right now all our eyes just closed feel feel on your heart if this is 
if this is you that I'm speaking to, that you've maybe seen church or seen Christianity, but there's no substance to it. It's not real. But you want something real. You want a real encounter with Jesus, a real experience with Him. You want to respond to this invitation to come. You are thirsty. You are weary. You are tired. You are broken. Even you are angry or whatever you may be in this place this morning. If that is you, I want to ask you to just raise your hand so that I can see. All eyes closed. Anybody that wants to respond to the Lord this morning. Just make eye contact with me. We have to hear... Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Anybody else? Just let me see. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that your presence move through this place. Move through this place. They need more than me, more than my stories, more than my thoughts, more than my words. I pray for your power to come. Let your power come. In the name of Jesus. 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 Can I ask you to be very brave and just come forward so that we can pray with you? Thank you, Lord. This one, just help her there. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says that all of heaven rejoices right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. All of heaven rejoices. Thank you, Lord. I believe the Lord is also calling us to a place of deeper response. I'm going to hand over to Brett.